of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Three in One who gives us this Easter so that we may live happily ever. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, He is risen. Hallelujah. It's Easter. And we know what Easter is, but man, those ladies did not know what Easter was all about. Those ladies had no clue what was in front of them. Mary and Mary and Salome, they're walking to the tomb. And you kind of wonder if this was their first rodeo with this whole funeral planning thing. Because they're walking to the tomb, and all of a sudden it dawns on them, hey, there's a big rock in front of the tomb. Who's going to roll that away for us? They're like, Salome, you've been working out recently. Do you think you can do it? How is this going to work? But then, all of a sudden, there's something that happens. And and, and that something that happens is sort of a foreshadowing. It's it's something that you're like, oh, okay, there's something here that tells us This isn't a normal ending. There was a movie several years back, 1997, so I don't feel bad about this being a spoiler. Named L.A. Confidential. L.A. Confidential, great movie for a lot of different reasons, but one of the greatest reasons about that that movie was its ending. The ending of that movie is is what they call a false ending. It's it's an ending that kind of causes you then to need to watch the entire movie all over again. Because you'll see something at the end of that movie, and I won't tell you what it is today. You can go home and you can watch it. You can say, I'm watching L.A. Confidential. It's a spiritual practice. (laughs) You, You can go home and you can watch it, and you can see that thing at the ending. And and that thing at the ending, all of a sudden, is going to open your eyes to something, and you're going to say, oh man, now I need to rewatch this movie. Now I need to go through this story all over again with the information that I now have from the end of the story. Well, that's what Mark's ending is like. The Gospel of Mark ends in this really weird, sort of obtuse, funny way. In fact, it ends in such a funny way in, in, in the history of the church. People have tried to add endings onto it. Just because it seems like it's so like, huh? Mark, are, are you sure? Are you sure this is where you want to end? In fact, if there's any grammarians amongst you, Mark's gospel commits the sin of all sins when it comes to ending a sentence. Mark's gospel ends on a preposition ends on the Greek preposition gar. And so somewhere out there, there are multiple seventh grade grammar teachers that are, you know, kind of twitching <laughs> when they read the ending of this gospel. Because not only does it end a sentence on a preposition, it ends the entire gospel on a preposition. Our English translations kind of clean that up a little bit, but in a lot of ways they actually don't clean it up that well. You know, it, it, maybe it was something for you this morning as you were looking at this gospel and, and you, you, you're reading along and you're going, okay, so I get it, they get to the tomb, they see the guy, the guy says go and tell people this, they walk away from the tomb and they don't tell anybody anything. 
And we go, how is that the ending of the Easter story? Well, it's meant to be that way. It's meant to actually cause you to kind of go, how is that the end of the Easter story? It's a, it's a false ending. It's, it's something that actually causes you to go all the way back to the beginning of the Gospel of Mark. The beginning of the Gospel of Mark, where, gospel, where, where, John, where Mark says, this is the beginning of the Gospel of Jesus Christ. And he goes through Jesus almost racing to a cross like this one so that he can pay for the sins of mankind. So that he can go and he can say, it is finished. So that he can pay for our sins. So that he can buy us eternal life. It's this ending that kind of causes us to, well, swerve a little. This ending that causes us to go, okay, what, what is the meaning to all of this? Because in a lot of ways, what those women were looking for in what they were doing was some meaning to how they were going to live the rest of their life. See those women, Mary, Mary, Salome. They're walking to the tomb. Now, probably the reason that they're walking to the tomb is because they weren't able to buy spices. It actually was okay in Jewish law to prepare someone for burial during the Sabbath. But they had to wait till after the Sabbath in order to go and buy the spices they needed to go and do that. And so here they were early, early in the morning. In fact, one of the rabbis who, who kind of weighs in on this says that uh, this time of the morning that they're talking about is a time of the morning where you are just beginning to be able to see the difference between the color green and the color purple. So, so it's pretty dark outside. And, and you're able to go, okay. Now, I don't know what happens if you're colorblind. <laughs> but it's pretty early in the morning. And, and so they, they head out. And, and they're, they're going to go do this. They're going to get this done. And the reason that they're going to get this done is that the whole rest of their lives have been shaken up. Everything that they think has given their lives meaning has gone away in Jesus dying on the cross. In fact, Mark's gospel tells us that Mary, Mary, and Salome are there when Jesus dies on the cross. His disciples have run away. They're scared. They're, they're cowardly. They've run away. They're, they're not there at the cross. But Mary, Mary, Salome, they're there. And they're watching this. They're watching Jesus take his last breath. They're watching him die on the cross. They know that he's dead. And so in knowing that he's dead, the thing that gives their lives meaning is gone. Because Mark's gospel also tells us that these three women, they followed Jesus around with some other women. And, and that they were serving him. They, they were kind of his entourage. They, they were people that were helping him do what he needed to do, which was to proclaim the good news of Jesus. So, so this was a job for them. This was something that they were doing. And they were saying, this is who I am. This is what gives my life meaning and purpose and all of that good stuff. And now all of a sudden I see my meaning and my purpose die on that cross. And as human beings, we're just not very good at not having meaning and purpose. We can try. We can sing along with Simba, Hakuna Matata. 
But that doesn't even work for Simba, because Simba eventually has to get to some meaning. We eventually have to get to a place where we're no longer just lazy, where we're no longer just stupidly sitting on a log, where we're no longer just watching Netflix in our dorm room. Where at some point we have to say, there is something that I am created to do. There is something that I am redeemed to do. There is something that I was baptized to do. What is that? And we can avoid that for a while, but eventually it's going to come. And so that's what Mary and Mary Salome are trying to figure out right now. Because that's all gone. They thought they had that nailed down. And it's easier to live life when you've got that nailed down. But all of a sudden it's hard again. And so they go, well... We've at least got this meaning and this purpose of going and getting his body ready for a decent burial. So they're heading there. They're not used to this because they do go. Who's going to roll away the stone? But, But then they look up and the stone has been rolled away. And there's all sorts of people that weigh in on what this stone was like and, and all of that. It, it's probably a big round disc. And, and there's a little bit of a dig out, a little cut out right be in front of the, the entrance so that it kind of fits in there. And so it's this big, big stone that is even in the ground. And so you can see why they're kind of worried about that. But they look. And that's gone. Which instantaneously means something for them. It means that the meaning and the purpose and all of the things that they had in their minds about how this day was going to play out is gone. No longer is the meaning for at least that day going to be, well, I went to the tomb and I got Jesus ready so that he could finally be be buried like a, a normal person. That's gone. And that's especially gone when they look into the tomb and they see a dude. (laughs) Who are you? And I love how angels sort of seem to have this sort of cynical, jaded side to them sometimes. You know, they're sort of like stand-up comedians. Yeah, they're in there, they're in the tomb, and he's like, so, who are you looking for? <laughs> oh, you're looking for Jesus, the crucified one, and you can kind of see the women, Mary, Mary, Sloma, going, yeah? Oh, he's not here. Uh, uh, okay. Oh, yeah, uh, he, he's, uh, he's gone ahead, of, he's, he's risen. He's gone ahead of you. Um, oh, by the, there's something that you can do for me. Can you go tell his disciples and Peter that he's going to go ahead of you and meet you in Galilee? Who are you? And so the angel references stuff that we don't ever get to see actually happen in the Gospel of Mark. You have to wait for, like, acts to be written to see that stuff. That's a long time from now when Mark is writing. He's just like, oh, yeah, this happened. This is going to happen. You should know that. 
He's referencing these things that he's never actually going to elaborate on. And then he goes and, and Mark's last lines are like they, they walk out of the tomb. They're stunned. They don't say anything to anyone because they're afraid. The end. A little appendix at the end of Mark there, but pretty much the end. There you go. That, that's weird. But maybe it's not so weird. Maybe it's not so weird when you look at how we connect with this story. How we connect with the Easter story. How we think about what this means that this person, Jesus, died some 2,000 years ago. And that we believe that he rose out of a tomb. Or maybe you don't believe that yet this morning. Maybe you're still trying to figure that out. But you know that there are people that believe that. And so you're trying to figure out, well, what, what's the deal here? And maybe you're walking away from this worship service going, I don't know what to say. But maybe in some ways, this story of Easter is exactly the thing that you need to change your day. Maybe you're filling the shoes of Mary, Mary, and Salome today. Maybe God knows that that's what you need. That what you need this morning is something that shakes you up. That's something that charges your heart like a defibrillator. Something that doesn't make sense. Something that causes you to rethink everything else about your life. Something that causes you to rethink everything about Scripture. Something that causes you to rethink everything that you know about Christianity. Maybe you need to do that reprocessing. And maybe today is the day where you start that reprocessing. Because today is supposed to be a day that causes you to walk away from the tomb and say, what just happened? And maybe you had plans for the day. Maybe your plans involve going out to eat. Maybe your plans involve going back to your room and watching Netflix. Maybe your plans involve something completely different. Maybe your plans involve just going back and studying. Maybe your plan just involves going back and trying to, to figure out what you're going to do in your job tomorrow. But your day has changed. Because Jesus has walked into that day. And Jesus has said, everything is different. Because He is risen. Because He has come into your life to give you this weird ending. To give you this weird ending that actually started, if you are a believer in Christ, if you're somebody who's baptized, this ending started probably somewhat close to the beginning of your life. That that was your ending. That that was the thing that God said, this is what ends you. I'm going to end your sinful existence here in water. And I'm going to make this a different thing. And that when you walk out of this place, that you should remember that ending. You should remember that day when you were baptized. And then the rest of this becomes just like 
happily ever. You know that's how storybooks end, right? And they left. And they went back to their home, and the princess went with the prince, and the king went with the queen, and they all lived happily ever after. But Jesus just says, no. I'm going to give you something different. I am going to give you something where there is no after. I am going to give you a happily ever. I'm going to give you an eternity. I am going to give you something that doesn't have a period on the end of it. I'm going to end this sucker on a preposition. I am going to give you a life that is a false ending. So that on the day that you die, that you can say of yourself, don't worry, I'm going to live happily ever. I am going to live. I'm going to get out of this tomb because I know that that's what happened to Jesus. And if there are people around me, they are going to be crazy confused. And there's maybe going to be a sarcastic angel at my tomb saying, why are you looking for this person? They've gone ahead of you into the resurrection. And so this week, this year... May you embrace the false endings of life. May you embrace the false ending of Jesus. And may you say, because he had a false ending, so will I. And I will live happily ever. Because he is risen.